My name is Brent. Just Brent. At least, that's all I'm going to tell you. It's not because I think I'm so special I only need one name. It's because I'm on a podcast. Welcome to Fandalites, the weekly podcast where Jenna and I discuss uh, each Animorphs book in order. This week, we're doing book number 34, The Prophecy. So, the last of the Arn, who you may remember from the Hork-Bajir Chronicles, has arrived at the free Hork-Bajir settlement on Earth with a plan to clone new Hork-Bajir gorillas on their homeworld in order to harass the Yerks. But in order for them to have a chance, he has to bring Aldrea back from the dead to tell them where she and Dakami hit a shipment of weapons they stole. There follows an almost explicit act of ritual magic, which places Aldrea's consciousness into Cassie. The backup was taken before she hid the weapons, but they're all pretty certain she knows where they'd be hidden anyway, and so they take off to Sector 5, RG-22578-4, in Quaffigenivion's stolen York ship? That's the name of the Arn. No. Uh, yeah, I think so. Once there, they discovered that the tree in which the ship was hidden is part of a dam containing the largest yerk pool any of them has ever seen. It was built where Aldrea and Dak used to live, which seems like a very Visser 3 sort of middle finger to throw at your defeated opposition. The Animorphs concoct an insane plan to bust into the tree via the yerk pool by having Cassie fly above it and then morph a humpback whale while they all hang around in her mouth as bugs. The stolen weapons transport is recovered, although the yerk pool is destroyed in the process, sending an unknown but probably large number of unhosted yerks to their deaths. Right before she leaves Cassie to go back into her, uh, mist container? Aldrea and Axe and Cassie trick Toby Hemi into going back to the colony on Earth, rather than staying to lead the hork forces. Yes, that is this book. There was a whole fucking lot happening, and I don't feel like I got a lot of notes on it. <sighs> like in the synopsis just then? Oh, no, general. just like, uh, just in general. Like, I I really enjoyed reading it, but yes. I didn't have a lot to write about it other than the synopsis. I feel like a lot of it is internal struggle. Internal in the sense of Cassie and Aldrea in their own mind talking things out or not talking things out as the case might be. Yeah, we've never been great about taking notes on internal struggle episodes. No, we just sort of internalize the internal struggles. I agree. I thought this book was really, really well written. There was a weird bit that I assume must have been an overlooked in an editing pass that cobbled together two different drafts of the book. That we both caught because it was so weird. <laughs> yeah, it was strange because once they landed on the hork homeworld, Aldrea said, oh yeah, I don't actually know where the weapons are, but I'm pretty sure I know where I would have hid them. And everybody else reacts like they didn't have this exact same conversation right after they summoned her spirit back into Cassie. Yeah, they literally like very soon after getting after Aldrea in, inhabits Cassie's brain, have a conversation where Aldrea's like, yeah, that must have happened after I died. <laughs> I do not remember where they're hidden, but I can probably figure it out just based on like me and my whole deal and context clues. And then they have the same conversation, but like way more dramatic while they're on the planet as though none of them knew. I Yeah, I think we we just have to assume 
that the editing fucked up and how like what a that's a it's a big fuck up i have a little bit of sympathy for it given the the pace at which these books were produced and having to produce a weekly podcast myself that sometimes you just don't really want to go back and listen to that first half again okay but this is like a huge franchise these books are getting sold a lot like this is not uh small peanuts not to down talk our own podcast on our own (laughs) podcast but like this is like a major franchise this this is a, a hugely popular series and for something because it's not like it's not like a little we talk about plot holes uh, obnoxiously at length but this is not a plot hole this is like several pages of extremely confusing things to read because they already had this conversation and then they have it again and it's it's more dramatic i appreciate why they moved it but it, it's just such a weird fuck up for Scholastic, a professional publishing company, to make on Animorphs a huge franchise. I, I don't know. Maybe they were paying more attention to the TV show. Maybe. I mean, it is a very well-written book. I'll, I'll say that. And this one sort of like uh, confusion aside, I thought it was very, very engaging. It was a good book. Oh, yeah. The, the whole rest of it was so well-written and 29 was so well-written. And that's part of the reason why I think we're both just assuming that this wasn't a fuck up on the part of the author as much as just uh, an issue with two different versions of the manuscript getting edited together. Yeah. Speaking of the author, tell the audience who our author is. This one was ghostwritten by Melinda Metz, who also wrote book 29. Her website is www.melindaandlaura.com, and she's at Two Headed Writer on Twitter. She has a new young adult book coming out this fall, 2018, titled I Do Not Trust You, a novel. So I thought I thought book 29, I recall us discussing also being very, very well written. We quite enjoyed it. And also a lot of internal struggles on that one. I'm going to have to go back and see which 29 was because I... It was, it was the one where uh, Axe got sick. Yes. And Cassie had to save their Yerk comrade and and save Axe while everybody was sick and she was on her own. Another Cassie book, so that's interesting. Man, that good memory. Too. I looked it up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but another just like really, really well-written book. I thought this one was really well-written too, e- even if there were some weird moments. So my, my question with regards to the ghostwriter that I, I'm curious about is whether the Arn names were made up by Kay Applegate or whether the ghostwriter had more free reign here. Because say what you will about some of Kay Applegate's alien names, most of them are pretty easily pronounceable. Quaffid... Quaffigenivon is a little... Quaffigenivon. Yeah, I stumble yeah. over that a little. Uh, and then the, the ceremony that they performed to summon the spirit of Aldrea to inhabit, to possess Cassie. Yeah, the anaphylaxical. Sure. <laughs> I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, which which unlocks her Ixala. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot more syllables than I'm used to. You know, Vizzer really gets in and gets out. <laughs> well, that is sort of his style. Haha. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. I usually I just thought of him as the Arn, the last Arn. I mean, that's what I wrote down in all of my notes, but then I went back and replaced some instances with it so that I would sound like I remember what the fuck I'm talking about. Well, that's good. You don't have to trick anybody. We're all friends here, though. <laughs> Little did they know I get to edit this before they hear it. I can trick <laughs> them all. <laughs> so this I I think the most of the meat of this book is really good. The opening scene and the closing scene kind of felt not entirely right. And the the opening scene is Cassie and Rachel having a very good fun hijink. I really liked it. But the hijink, the like morphing fun hijinks that they have is that Cassie wrote like a heart with her and Jake's name in it on it on her math test and they're breaking into their teacher's house to steal it back. And that seems 
that doesn't seem right. It was very fun, but it didn't feel right. Well, I mean, you know that Rachel's down for whatever, so she's going to go along with it. Oh, yeah. You're right that it's weird. Sort of the way that I squared this with myself when I was reading is by just considering it to be part of Cassie's strange pathology of almost deathly modesty about her totally obvious to everyone else relationship with Jake. Both of them seem very, very embarrassed about it. And maybe it's just because they're teens. That's, I kind of, I, I, yeah, I low-key dismissed it as they're like 13 and they are probably super worried that the teachers are going to talk about him or something. I don't know. I wonder if they like hang out with each other, if they're still trying to not hang out with each other at school to sort of avoid suspicion. Cassie and Jake are basically dating by now. Do they hang out at school at all? I don't know. We've sort of got hints and nudges here and there that they don't really eat lunch together, except when they're trying, when Rachel's trying to prove a point about Jake being taken. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's, it's weird to me that they're concerned about like their math teacher what their math teacher is going to think. I I liked it. It didn't seem right. Based on what we've seen so far, the high school that they attend or junior high that they attend, whichever, has a much higher than average population of controllers in its faculty. I mean, it's got to be easy because you're right above the the York pool. It's the the cherry assignment. (laughs) It's luxurious. Yeah. You don't have to go out for lunch. You just have to go to the basement. And then the, the closing scene is them sort of unnecessarily tricking Toby. They sort of threaten Cassie, like Aldrea pretends that she's not going to give up Cassie's body and Axe is like, I'll cut Toby's throat if you don't leave. And Aldrea's like, oh, you got me. I guess I'll leave. Not my granddaughter. Oh, no. And it all just seemed unnecessary and bad, like a bad precedent to to set for how they engage with Toby, who is extremely intelligent because she's like a chosen Horkbashir. It it did feel very tacked on. And it's weird to me that the first place they went was... Was, let's fool her into this rather than just saying yo like we can't go home to your parents and be like nah we we left your daughter <laughs> to fight in a war yeah on a planet she's only just been to that she did not grow up on on a a front that is kind of a false front that they don't really expect they they think this is a, a distraction like the, this new hork colony on the planet that is now loaded up with weapons is, is supposed to be a distraction from the other fronts right yeah that's like, that's the thing. You shouldn't leave Toby there. It's not a good plan. It seems like maybe they could have just, like, talked her out of staying because maybe we should maybe we should go ask your parents first, huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So, uh, again, very well written, but didn't feel <laughs> right. It didn't feel like a good scene. Yeah, it, it felt tacked on or rushed. It just, it needed to end somehow and, like, it just got dashed out. And that's fine. That's kind of... Kind of what I think this book might have been. And it's <laughs> it's actually impressive. It's as well-written as it is. Yeah, I, I would like to know more about the actual production of this uh, particular book and what went on during it. Yeah, I mean, there's because there's a lot here with sort of the Cassie-Aldrea uh, relationship. I really wanted them to get to a part. They, they got to, they managed to get to like a grudging respect for each other, especially Aldrea for Cassie. But I, I don't think they ever really quite reached friendship, which is a shame. I'm not sure that they were going to though. I mean, it's, it's a lot to ask of uh, someone brought back from the dead and shoved into another person's body to, uh, <laughs> th- start thinking of them as a friend. 
Yeah, that's fair. Although, you know, if you're who are you going to think of as a friend but the person whose body you share, really? I mean, I'd get tired of asking for permission to use the mouth or hands or whatever. Yeah, that did seem pretty annoying. There, yeah, there was a lot of back and forth struggle for, for control of the, the mouth and stuff. I mean, which makes sense because they're both pretty, pretty strong willed. Almost by it, that's like the definition of we get of Aldrea is like she needs to find somebody whose mind is compatible. So we're going to give her Toby or Rachel, our two strongest personalities. And it's like jokes on you. Cassie's super awesome and intense and strong willed. Yeah, she's just low key about it. Yeah, I feel like Rachel is strong. I feel like Cassie is like has more of an iron will because she is like she has taken moral stances that are contrary to the entire rest of the group and stuck with them, which maybe shouldn't be my definition of a strong will, but it kind of is. I mean, I think Rachel's certainly more ruthless. It's a different yes. kind of strong will. Yeah. So do, do you recall, was the, the transhumanist personality uploading thing, was that in the hork Chronicles? I don't, I didn't remember it. I don't remember them ever referencing, like, we're gonna download your personality. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that either, but I'm not 100% certain that it didn't show there. Yeah, it, it didn't f- necessarily feel like... Like, I felt the hork Chronicles ended in such an open note that it didn't really feel like this was a new sudden technology. Like, it felt it felt like it worked. I mean, it, it certainly worked as a plot device to get Aldrea's consciousness into Cassie's head. It's just sort of a, it's a different genre, I think, of sci-fi than we've been playing with so far. I agree, with the exception of Tobias having recovered past live memories from his dad. I think it's very much in that vein of science fiction. Okay. For better or for worse. Okay, I can see that. So this is less like less like downloading someone's personality from the cloud in a Cory Doctorow novel into yes. someone else's head, and more like transferring the cellular memory from Gola Duncan Idaho into Cassie. Sure, I don't know the second one, but yes. Oh, it's, it's Dune. That's Dune. That's the, <laughs> okay. we talked about this with the cellular memory stuff, and I, yeah. I'm a huge nerd. It's more like it's like borderline fantasy sci-fi. Is sort of how I imagine it. Yeah, the the ceremony specifically, I was a little mm-hmm. like, okay, all right. The anaphylaxal. Yes, the anaphylactic. <laughs> the yeah, it, it was like, uh, all right, okay, it's because they literally like chant her name and are like, enter the vessel, enter the vessel, enter the vessel. We call upon thee, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody yeah. Mary. Yeah, stiff as a feather, light as a board, very much like that. <laughs> Yeah, it was super, it was so low on the science and so high on the fantasy. It was sort of, uh, again, that might have stuck out. I thought it was funny. I thought it at least fit the aesthetic that is now a part of Animorphs, I guess, which is this kind of low-key fantasy science. I, I was just, I thought this was interesting because it sort of, up until now, we have played very loose with the science part of science fiction, to be sure, but it's sort of tried to keep the trappings of uh, of, of a, a more traditional sci-fi genre, uh, and then it sort of gets into a little sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from mm. magic type situation here, which like, there's nothing wrong with it, it's just, I thought it was notable that it's, this is the first time I recall really seeing it without some sort of technological framing that I really bought. Yeah, at least some sort of hand-wavy attempt. Like, there really isn't anything other than, here's this jar that we stored Aldrea in. She's gonna atmospherize and become brain ozone. Like, not even that, actually. Everything I just said was more science backing than we got. Yeah, yeah. 
but I ain't angry. Yeah, what, what we got was we're going to chant her name and she'll pick one of you to ride like a Loa. Yeah, and it turns out it's Cassie. Why not? Good choice. Good choice. Uh, yeah. Aldrea did mention, because Cassie's real torn up about this for a lot of the book, about, oh, did did she pick me because I'm I'm so weak that she'll be able to just force me into letting her stay. Yeah. And Aldrea says to her, you know, I, I think I picked you because I could tell even in my weird, dispersed, dead state that uh, you would be the sort of person who would keep me from wanting to, from trying to stay. Yeah, I appreciate that it wasn't just Cassie is, is weak, because I think that would not be keeping in the character. I think that Cassie is compassionate in the right kind of way to teach Aldrea as they go how to let go. Although there is a moment where Cassie like thinks about whether the morality of like letting Aldrea stay and whether to kick Aldrea out would be essentially murdering her. And I'm like, that was such a Cassie moment. Yeah, an incredibly Cassie internal struggle to have. Yes, I, I wanted them to push it a li- just a little bit further. I wanted Cassie to be like, maybe I'll just let her stay. I kind of wanted that tease, but I'm okay not getting that tease. I think this premise could have done well expanded to a megamorph. Hmm. Uh, just adding Aldrea as an additional narrator. I can kind of, I could definitely see this book extending into a megamorph. Feels like there's enough meat there that that could have happened. Yeah, and then we would have got probably a little more uh, of will they, won't they in terms of uh, Aldrea <laughs> forcefully continuing to inhabit Cassie. Yeah, the old possession will they, won't they. <laughs> uh, let's talk about Cassie's sick ass stunts in this book they're so good even aldrea is like damn girl damn i know because like the first time that they morph cassie's like okay so i'm gonna concentrate and aldrea's like step aside bitch okay i'm an andalite (laughs) we made morphing we invented this shit i think i can do a morph yes and then on the Harper's Year homeworld, Cassie does the morphine and Altrea is like, whoa, <laughs> legit impressive. <laughs> yeah, we have this just really spectacular sequence where Cassie's like, okay, I'm going to morph into a bird and then everybody else is going to morph insects and they're going to climb into my mouth, my beak. <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm going to mostly turn human, except I'm going to keep my wings. And Aldrea's already like, nah. Nah, nah, I don't think you can. Uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna morph part whale, just the lower half. So I'm some sort of hippogriff. What do you? What is? What is it when it's a a body of a human, wings of a bird, and a whale tail? What's that called? Chimera. Harpy mermaid. Yes. So she turns into this weird harpy mermaid and lands in the water, and then morphs all the way back to whale. But there's a moment where she is like she started to morph whale from like the waist down and she's still got wings from the waist up and that's the first time we've ever seen like a dual morph aldrea is convinced before she sees it that it is not something that is possible to do yeah and she tries to take control so cassie's morphing this crazy sick morph and fighting off aldrea for control of her own body oof yeah, it's it's super badass. Yeah, it's so good. She's such a good hero. This maneuver that that Cassie does with the wings, it's the probably the coolest bird parachute variant that we've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, it really is because this is the second time we've seen her do this sort of mid-air morph to human to second morph strategy, and it's yes. it's intense. Yes. Do we have like a name for this other than bird parachute? Which I don't I don't mind calling this a modified bird parachute. Uh improved bird parachute. Oh, I like that. So it's this is the second feet in the tree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Excellent. Although this seems higher than second feet, like great bird parachute, perhaps. Okay. You have to have 
What's you have the to middle have bird step? parachute and improved bird parachute. What is what would the imp- improved bird parachute be? Would it be where they all bid onto eel Jake because he was hallucinating because he got sick? A la book twenty nine. Well, yeah, it it might be you can use your bird parachute in forms that aren't technically birds. Oh, honestly, it would probably be something lame like you no longer have a negative four penalty to bird parachute attempts or some bullshit. Oh yeah, it'd be the one that you really only take to get greater bird parachute. It's just sort mm. of like you just have to burn a feet to move up the ranks sucks yeah what are you gonna do you gotta get that greater bird parachute not model it in d20 that's what you're gonna do (laughs) yes that was very good man and then when she drops in as the whale the others start morphing (laughs) in her mouth yeah it's weird (laughs) so all the all the hork guards see is this uh this humpback whale spontaneously appearing over the surface of an alien planet, falling into the Yerk pool, and then surfacing, and a couple Andalites jump out of its mouth. Two Andalites and a hork and the hork <laughs> says, there's a thousand Andalites, everybody fucking run, because it's Marco, and he's like, <laughs> he's, he's war-pranking the rest of the hork controllers. <laughs> and then when she goes back down, the other two remaining Animorphs, uh, I think it's Jake and Rachel, right? I think so, yeah, in her mouth. Yeah. Jake and Rachel uh, have morphed hammerheads, and <laughs> and uh, Aldrea's like, "Oh no, they're they're dropping like loads of taxons." And <laughs> Cassie's like, "Oh yeah, Jake and Rachel got it." And she's like, "Are you kidding?" It's so. And she's like, "Oh no, they're hammerheads, baby." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like trust, trust Aldrea. I, I feel bad for them. It's gonna be awful. <laughs> and and it was. Again, all I can think of, all I can think of when I think of the taxons in the water is just a bunch of lasagna noodles, like wiggling <laughs> around, getting ate. Horrible. Oh man, I'm I'm picturing like the the most disgusting bubble tea type situation <laughs> with like vermicelli noodles. Yeah, yeah, it's taxon jelly. <laughs> oh God, I want a bubble tea now though. <laughs> it's yerk milk tea with taxon jelly and boba. <laughs> So I really like, I liked that, like, early on Cassie was, like, showing off how good she was at morphing. And then later Aldrea was like, well, I can, whatever, we're on my home planet now, kind of, technically, retroactively, now that I've decided I'm a hork And she's, like, doing cool swinging on tree stunts to sort of show off for Cassie. I liked that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah, like you said, they both sort of gained a grudging respect, and it's weird because Aldrea sort of gained a grudging respect for Jake before she gained any respect at all for Cassie, (laughs) because Jake sort of put her in her place. Yeah, like Jake can't help but want to lead. I wanted to read one thing that Toby says is there is a a, a meme going on Twitter uh, a little while back that was like the animorphs radicalized me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It's a very good. It's a very good Twitter. Um, but there's a line that Toby says in this that I think is really actually is that. And so I wanted to read it. Toby says, uh, freedom can't be given. It must be taken and held and defended. Our freedom has to be our own creation. Like that's some, that's some fucking good politics. It's excellent praxis, comrade Toby. (laughs) Yes. Also, Arik is back. 
I like that Arik is around so much. He has really grown on me. I know at first we were kind of irritated by his random humble brags about <laughs> being present in all parts of history because they were so ludicrous. But at this point, they're so frequent and so just Over unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that I kind of started just assuming that he's like just bullshitting the Animorphs because they're teenagers and don't know any better. <laughs> I really like that. Yes. Yeah, and so I, I kind of I kind of really like it now. I'm looking forward to what he claims to have done next, uh, which is obviously, like, because in this one, he's all, oh, yeah, is, well, FDR work, I was the butler in his White House. I coined the phrase, New Deal. And it's like, yeah, sure you did. But the, the Animorphs just fucking go with it. Yeah, he says that specifically to Marco. I, I like the idea that Arik is also a jokester and that he likes Marco because Marco's a jokester. And so he's kind of like low-key ribbing Marco. <laughs> He seems to have settled into exactly how to respond to Marco appropriately, because there's a whole scene where Marco is trying to convince him that the Chi impersonating him should, like, go hit on this girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he's been meaning to, but, you know, as, as long as you're there, you, you might as well. And Arik's just like, okay, yeah, all right, we'll put that at the top of our to-do list. <laughs> Your love life is definitely the, the thing to fo that we're going to focus on here. And Marco's like, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad we're on the same page, buddy. <laughs> I like that Marco is also like, oh, by the way, I did not write this history paper, so you're going to have to. I just liked I liked them giving the Chi pointers on how to be them while they're out doing weird space shit. I wonder how often Marco procrastinates on papers <laughs> until the last minute, just in case he can get a Chi to do it instead. I bet all the time. <laughs> I bet he encourages Jake to do it too, and Jake's too good. Yeah, the, the rest of them, they have their shit on lockdown. They're they're too responsible. Marco definitely is like, he's going to be procrastinating anyway, so now he's got a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of quotes that uh, we, we enjoyed in this book, there was one that I, I really enjoyed from Aldrea, where she's talking about Axe, and she says, I did not like the Andalite but trusted him to be what he was. Mm. And I'm a big fan of that scorpion crossing the river parable. So that that one resonated with me a lot. Like, yeah, okay. So you don't trust the Arn. You don't like Axe, but you, you know what he's going to be like and you can trust him to act like that. Yeah, he's a reliable... I mean, all of the Andalites are usually pretty reliable in their predictability, except when they do something crazy, like become a Nothlet of some other species so that they can bang somebody from that species. Which even that, yeah, actually, even that, <laughs> I say that, that is actually a predictable Andalite behavior. It is. And I'm waiting to find out who Axe, human Axe, Nothlet ends up with. Uh, because the fact that he's so looking down on Aldrea for it at this point is probably jealousy. Oh, God, I hope so. I, I, I think... Okay, at this moment in the book series, I think the character that Axe is most likely to become a human Nothlet for is the Cinnabon. Yes. I think he would become a Nothlet to spend the rest of his days eating Cinnabon. And I, that's beautiful, really. Cinnabon is his significant other. He has a picture of it in his scoop. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I lived. I wish I loved anything as much as I as Axe loves Cinnabon. You could get a viral tweet with that one, just FYI. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm saving, I save all the good Animorphs content for this podcast. Oh, don't let it rot on the vine. <laughs> I do it for the vine, Brent. <laughs> the vine's shut down. Mm. 
So there's one other quote in this that I I really, really liked. The Arn says that biologically he's almost near the end of his life and Axe immediately chimes in. There are forces other than biology <laughs> and twitches his tail blade. And uh, holy crap, that is up there, I think, for me, for darkest shit said most prosaically with that line from Through the Looking Glass where Alice says she's seven and a half and uh, one of them says with proper assistance you might have left off at seven. <laughs> I don't know. I, I very much appreciate that particular scene and that line specifically, and I, I want to give it big ups. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I worry that torturing Chapman might have unlocked something in Axe because he got he gets just so good at threats now. Well, he definitely has gotten darker since they found him in that uh, undersea dome. Mm. But then all of them have kind of gotten darker just yeah. by na- by virtue of what they've had to do. Yeah, and by virtue of the series continuing. Although he he and he and Aldrea are like at each other's throats this whole book. Like they come to a ceasefire, I would say is the best that they get to at the end of the book. Axe has grown up in a culture which has hammered into him repeatedly that Ciro fucked up majorly and is the shame of the Andalite race and his daughter was no better. Yeah. I imagine that 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 sort of cultural programming is difficult to overcome. Axe doesn't seem like a particularly introspective sort of guy. It's true. He's not a very good student. Yeah, he's always distracted by female Andalites and Cenobans. (laughs) Same diff. (laughs) <laughs> that's right <laughs> there's a, a particular moment where they're arguing on the spaceship and aldrea's like oh yeah my dad gave the yurks the power to travel space and the ability to make space travel vehicles but your brother gave six kids from earth the power to morph so it's basically the same difference it's like okay that's not that's not an equivalency because these six kids don't have any way of recreating that technology like they have the cube now he didn't give them the cube they got the cube i forget what happens to the cube between david finding it and them running away the wiki says although the animorphs had long believed that the escafil device was destroyed when the ship was destroyed by the yurks it was later recovered by david okay so they they like i don't think alfangor intended to give them the cube itself probably because of Ciro's kindness so it's not like he intended to give them the ability to unlock this and replicate it they ended up getting that and they are being very cautious because they've also learned from Ciro's kindness I could argue but I think you're right honestly so yeah that's what what do we think that's just Aldrea being sort of sensitive and and reactionary yeah I think so I mean Axe is probably the first Andalite she's seen and or talked to in a really long time probably since the quantum virus was released on the planet yeah that's true the last group of andalites that she uh was hanging around with were not shining examples they were genocidal yeah yeah so i i can appreciate her being not not too down on the andalites i mean she still has this whole she still has the same andalite superiority sort of complex um, even though she's living and has accepted life as a hork Yeah, she definitely, I mean, there's a couple scenes where her and Axe almost, like, at the same time say something about Andalite superiority right. in as many words, uh, which is, once again, you can trust them to behave as they're going to. Yes, the scorpion. <laughs> the scorpion tail and no torso. <laughs> Yeah. Is there anything else from this book you wanted to talk about? Marco's got a real hot take with respect to the Star Wars film about a trade dispute. <laughs> but on the other hand, the fact that he unironically thinks The Phantom Menace is cool gives me hope that he wouldn't be one of the dweeboids getting really upset about the new Star Wars films. 
yeah, who knows? I, I assume Rachel's good influence would straighten him out over time, but who knows? He's young. He's got a little time. Yeah, he's got time. I think that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Podcast, unless it's a bad review, in which case, keep it to your damn self. <laughs> you can see our website at www.fandalites.com, our sister site at andalitetruth.org. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fandalites. Email us, fandalites at gmail.com. We have a Tumblr at fandalites.tumblr.com. Thanks to Dustin O'Dell for the use of his music for our intro and outro. He's at Dustin of CYT on Twitter. Listen to some of the rest of his stuff at thusnodell.bandcamp.com. It's all very good. You're on Twitter now too, aren't you, Brent? You've got your own personal account? I do. Uh, my, my Twitter's at hello, it's Brent. And Jenna's personal Twitter is... The Jenna. No spaces, no underscores, nothing. Just the Jenna. And mine is mostly pictures of my dogs. Yeah, it's a good one. They're cute. They're good dogs. They're good dogs, Brent. They're all good dogs. Next week, we will be reading number 35. The Proposal. The Proposal. There was no prophecy in this book. This book is called The Prophecy. There's no prophecy. Do you ever think about that, Brent? There's no prophecy in this book. I mean, there was magic. Yeah, there's no prophecy. There wasn't even anything close to a prophecy. There was necromancy, which in its original form was divination by means of communication with the dead, so by the transitive property. No, you're right. I... There's no prophecy in this one. I don't know why it's called that. Maybe it was supposed to be called something different and they just didn't they just didn't change it before sending the final print out. So do we think that the proposal is going to be the one where Jake finally pops the question or the one where Tobias finally pops the question? Neither. They're such dweebs and they won't just be dating. Ugh. You're right. Rachel's going to pop the question. Yeah, also it would be Rachel for her for sure, for sure. Yeah, she's going to say, Tobias, will you marry me and stay a fucking human? <laughs> and Tobias will be like, uh, let me get back to you. I've just got to catch this thermal. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh. He's replicating oh. his father's. Anyway, next it's week. Axe, it's Axe proposing to the Cinnabon. <gasps> Beautiful, Brent. Uh -huh. oh, I'm so happy for them. Me too. They're gonna, <laughs> they're, I think these kids are going to make it. <laughs> so tune in next week for that. Uh, and until then, remember, nostalgia is a drug. <laughs>